0: To a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: (laughs) In a time when humanity is facing its greatest challenges, Deborah Lynn's book, Divine Mirror, offers us hope and insight into our own true power and presence. The book leads us from the author's personal abyss, as mirrored through this mysterious work of art, through a transformative healing process. Together, we journey from tragedy to triumph, fear and failure to freedom. Divine Mirror opens a door of discovery to our own authentic male and female balance, Helping us to understand each other with greater compassion and love. In this book, we encounter what the painting hints at: The Sacred Marriage or Sixth Way Consciousness. This pathway gives us a taste of heaven on earth as we unfold our soul's divine plan, following the trail of hints left for us by Spirit. Valeria Tellis interviews Deborah Lynn, the author of Divine Mirror, a painting's hidden gift of conscious healing. Deborah Lynn is a professional singer direct line scholar of bel canto and author of the bel canto buzz beautiful singing made simple she uses her vocal expertise in combination with her spiritual and empowerment understanding to assist others to find and release their vocal potential whether singing or speaking in these transformational times as we are being called to our highest good this work supports the healthy function of the voice and supports the reclamation of one's aspirations and dreams Her recent book release, Divine Mirror, a hidden painting's gift of conscious healing, chronicles the research of a small, mysterious painting gifted to her by her troubled father in a moment of profound healing. In this new book, Deborah transparently shares the challenges of her 33-year journey out of trauma, codependency, distortion, and dysfunction into joy, peace, and love through the path of sacred marriage. Meet Deborah at deborahlynn.org here's the interview with Deborah Lynn
0: in your own words who is Deborah Lynn
2: oh my goodness she's a she's an expansive soul seeker she is someone who has... Varied interests and has walked a journey that has been really extraordinary in very simple ways.
0: I wonder how simple we can really live this life, Deborah. Do you believe in such a thing as balance?
2: Uh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think that when we look out upon the world, especially right now, that we certainly see the extraordinary complexity and challenge it is to look at life and see okay solutions to big problems and things like that i certainly see that sort of the infinite nature of god is multi-faced and multi multi multi-layered if you will but i actually do believe there is a a way to pull our experience of life into a simpler space in order not only for it to be more manageable but also to feel like we're making an impact uh, on that world,
0: you mentioned the word God. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, I probably heard that question. Before. <laughs> we all g- We all giggle because <laughs> yeah. you know,
2: yeah, it's a it's another level of complexity, right? right. You know, <laughs> right. I often will re- refer to uh, what I call a divine intelligence, a divine presence that just is so expansive that it's almost undefinable. Mm -hmm. And yet that energy impacts me on a daily basis. And so I do see it as sort of connected and separate from me in what I have referred to as a God space for a very long time.
0: What is your understanding of death, of losing the body? What is the meaning of that to you?
2: So, you know, there's uh, lots of layers to this too. I. On one level, I actually don't believe that there is a death, that the soul goes kind of on and on and has been as it was in the beginning and is now and ever shall be,
0: you know, forever right. and yeah.
2: ever, right? But I think mm-hmm. sometimes looking at life that way is a little intense, too, because you're right. like, you know, <laughs> all yeah. right, I'm having enough trouble <laughs> doing this right now. But uh, I've experienced very close connection to the death process through some important people in my life. And I've, I've participated in their transitions. And so the falling away of the body or the giving up of the body, but absolutely feeling the sense that the heart and soul of the being I was just sitting with is, is right there on the other side of letting go of the body. Right. So, so the energy supersedes this physicality somehow.
0: Right. And it's still here. It didn't go anywhere, really.
2: It, yes. And I think that's somewhat of the all right. I'm not you know, I I'm I'm lighthearted. I'm a lighthearted being. It's kind yeah. of a to me, it's kind of a cosmic joke. You yeah. know, is that yeah. yes, we, we worry about it and we're we're fearful of it and we're you know, and in the in the reality I've I've always had the sense that the stepping through the veil of what is perceived as death,
0: um, that on the other side, our souls laugh and sing. That's beautiful. Um, A beautiful reminder for me and everyone listening, right? Are there coincidences? Do you believe in that, in coincidences or not really?
2: Uh, No, I actually, I would say that I believe everything is connected. And that there uh, from my experience, okay so in in terms of knowing I'm going to speak from just my experience that every every turning point, every moment, every choice point every every uh, transition I've been through in relationship I've been through in my life, that every single interaction had purpose along the journey to direct me. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anyone that was accidental along the way, right? Yeah,
0: no accidents, no coincidences. No, 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 no. A thousand percent, (laughs) a billion percent, a trillion percent. Yes,
2: it's extraordinary if you really think about it that you know you could look at life that small and the the detail. You know, even in the (laughs) moment to moment uh, experiences we have in a daily way, that there are profound gleanings, if you will, that we can pull away from or uh, sort of take to heart every single day, every single moment of this blessed life that we're given.
0: How did this happen? How did we end up aware that we were in a human body and we have all these thought processes and patterns? And have we chosen to be here? And what is the purpose of life in the human body, Deborah?
2: Mm. Well, and I, you know, as you were, as you were speaking your words, and in that sequence, I absolutely believe that we choose to be here. And that is, again, from my experience, that we as human beings, you know, spiritual entities in human form, coming into a space of, of density, where we can touch things and taste things and feel things and see and hear things and 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 explore and and adventure if you will that we have this rare and extraordinary opportunity while we are here to really determine for ourselves what what we believe what we feel what we Mm -hmm. think what we you know like that and if there is an overarching purpose to the journey you know, and I feel like this in terms of, you know, when we're looking at the suffering we're seeing, right? And many would say, you know, why are we seeing so much suffering? Right. My sense is, and it's been sort of reiterated to me across my timeline of my life thus far, that that unconditional love mm. fundamentally is the exercise,
0: is the journey, is the possibility I often talk about unconditional self-love. Do you believe that this is a, a sort of realistic goal to achieve? Absolutely. Oh.
2: Absolutely. And I would say that's where, that's where my heart is landing now in the profundity of what I've experienced across this journey, is that that was probably always the destination if you will right. but just the destination to the point where then you start again right, right. then now there's right. a whole nother journey once you actually yes. experience yes. that
0: level yes. of love it is very profound to me yeah if we can touch that space of unconditional self-love and then expand that to life itself and everyone around us yeah
2: well abs- absolutely because there it's almost like it can't do anything but spill over the excitement of, you know, especially, you know, I remember in in my particular case, I have felt starved of love most of my life. And so I'm like a hungry woman. I'm like, wow, this is a whole new experience of myself. Who could I be now that I actually love who I am?
0: So healing, that's another word I use a lot. I've been working with it. And sometimes I get some guests to say that there's no healing to do, that everything's perfect. From your perspective, what is healing and what are some of the misconceptions about it?
2: Well, I, I think probably both truths could, could stand next to one another. That aye, aye. that I have experienced uh, deep, profound, transformational healing because as a soul, that was the journey I was choosing to take. I can also say that every single moment was perfect along the journey. Mm. So was I healing or was I who I was <laughs> at that moment? I, you know, right. So I, I, yeah. I think that's where sometimes we are challenged is in the communication of these deeper gleanings or, or truths that were coming to our, in our own manifestation as, as our I am
0: presence. Can we really express that truth or the truth we find we find along the way with the healing spiritual journey? Can that be really expressed in words or it's a presence, a matter of presence, really?
2: Well, I think it's again, I think it's both. and mm-hmm. i I feel like right. because i I must have very strong, I have a very strong desire to bridge the contemplative spiritual nature of myself with the, with the written word. And, um, I think that my access point has been the nature of authenticity. Mm -hmm. How transparent am I willing to be? How authentic am I? How much of my journey am I willing to share? And through that, it isn't so much that there's an expectation that the reader or anyone that's looking at me or looking at my words would necessarily want to do the same thing. Right. But right. that perhaps if they see me completely wide open to all my frailties, that there will be less shame, less embarrassment, less
0: right.
2: need for
0: us to hide from one another. True. How do we know? What are the signs when we are getting there, Deborah? Being transparent and authentic.
2: Well, you know, I have to share. I'll share a little story with you. I was I was much younger. I, I was uh, about twenty four or twenty five, and I met a man at a spiritual retreat center in North Carolina um, called Canoga. And at the end of this retreat period of time, I was there, some of it was silent, some of it was contemplation and classes. This particular man gave me a gift of a book called The Velveteen Rabbit. And inside the front cover, he wrote this very beautiful, very personalized message to me, a spiritual message to me about basically the fact that here was someone that was seeing my spiritual presence, even at that young age. And I read that book and realized that what he was also seeing is the struggle I was having coming into comfort, if you will, with who I was. And so what the Velveteen Rabbit says is that how we know we're getting there is when our buttons are pulled off, our seams are all split, we're completely ragged, and suddenly we're real. Suddenly we're alive and we're loved and we are loving. Mm. And for me, that's getting close.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That sounds like very close. (laughs) It's getting very close. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to love, doesn't it? Absolutely.
2: Everything for me keeps coming back to this one singular because it's such a
0: huge, that word holds so much in it. That's true. It's an open space that holds everything.
2: Well, and I feel very blessed because I I was privileged to live on Maui for 12 years. And one of the things that is said about Maui and maybe if someone who's listening has been there, they'll they'll relate to this is that the veils are thinner. Mm. And so you could be walking on the beach or walking down the street or sitting having, you know, a cup of coffee somewhere on Maui. And suddenly you're aware that you're sitting next to someone who's spiritually involved. Mm-hmm. And you're like, and you don't, you're not exactly <laughs> having a conversation with them, but there they are. And you're like, wow, I can feel the radiant vibration pulsating off of your body around mm-hmm. this room. And I don't know who you are. Right. And I feel like there in that space, that container called Maui. I was really blessed to experience what we'll call multidimensionality. It was it was like all possibilities existed side by side wow. in one container.
0: I have heard that there are places on earth there's some people drawn more, more evolved people. They kind of stay they want to go there, and I'm wondering why. Do, I know I have read some history on that about the indigenous cultures and in, in even more ancient cultures, more evolved that they inhabit those areas. What is your perspective on that, Deborah?
2: Well, I'm, you know, we'll look at you know Hawaii because of I, I've spent oh, a third of my life living there, yeah. and. The, the Of course, the population that, that is pure Hawaiian there now is, is like 2% or less, very, very small. But for me, the, you know, I, the, I find sort of, again, the, the humor, the cosmic humor. Okay, so I grew up in Connecticut, yeah. and then I traveled to Hawaii, All right, well, now in like the 1800s, the original missionaries that that traveled to those islands came from, a lot of them came from Connecticut. So I suddenly Uh saw, oh, there's this like, oh, there's a parallel. Okay, so now I'm in Hawaii. Well, one of the things I believe the missionaries discovered, not immediately, because as a missionary, they had a purpose and an agenda. They wanted to bring their spirituality to the islands. But I think that what they discovered and the reason they stayed is because the indigenous people already had such a profound understanding of unconditional love, mm. aloha, that they, they may have realized at some point in that time that who was the student and who was the teacher. And I believe that the indigenous cultures of the world hold a frequency of aloha, of love in its very broadest depth that we could all learn from we could all learn from yeah because resonance right energy back to the simplicity back to simple right if we you know what we look at indigenous people and we think oh they're more simple they're less yeah. technologically advanced you know like that i i've often kind of giggled at the fact mm-hmm. that our perception of what evolution means um, is is might be just a bit askew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? But and, and maybe in the end that's what we figure out is that in the end we figured out we already knew it in the beginning.
0: I had a conversation with Jamie while and I remember we ended up in the end really agreeing going back to that inside job that's the sacred place is within. You can only find within, not out there. We can be inspired, yeah. But I do believe. Of course, yeah, because we are everything—the body, the mind, and the soul—and everything else in between. So it's resonance. We are always—we need to be inspired or activated, per se.
2: Right, and I and I think maybe that's that takes you know maybe a little bit closer to even this book that I've written and this idea of that there could be a a mirroring effect. You know, mm-hmm. right, that right. the this idea of the divine mirror. Um, in these sacred places when one visits Mm. them I feel like they reinforce the true self Mm. the true nature of ourselves outside of our mental process and our suffering and our our emotional challenges or our issues whatever we might be dealing with personally in this lifetime the, the to look at a sedona or to look at a maui or to mm. i remember being so poor on maui literally i had not a dime mm. and i would stand on the beach and look at the sunset and go how can i possibly mm. Be anything but grateful. Right. It's a whole different level of abundance.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We will talk, I will be asking questions about your book in a moment about symbology. So symbols, yeah. So they activate, yeah, The what's yes. inside.
2: I feel like that's exactly right. That's exactly, they, and they, and they, And for a period of time, you know, if you get the opportunity to go to a place like that and just be there in the energy and there's no, there's no doing this. You're just able to literally stand um, by red, you know, by red rock, by the red bell in Sedona, for example, and just, just be there. It's, it's hard not to acknowledge a greater universal force
0: in action. Right. We can feel that, going back to simplicity, nature around us, any form of nature, animals too, that just, um, I mean, to me, it's uh, its freedom or oh, beauty. I love the word beautiful. Be- beauty,
2: beauty, that's right. Or yeah. like, a, like I, I have some roses that I, that mm, I I've yeah. brought in today to, to look at as I was doing this interview and I look at a rose. <laughs> or like you said, you know, the if you meditate... And you go into, a, into your own personal space, my goodness gracious, the expansiveness of the universe is all within us. Right.
0: Yes. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow is right. too. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How can this be? Right. It's, uh, incredible. <laughs> Yeah, it's, to me, it's a miracle, isn't it? Life is a miracle, isn't it? Life is a miracle, yeah, a absolutely. Gift.
2: I am yeah. a, I am grateful every second of every day, no matter what is happening.
0: You sound no like that. what is happening. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it. It's beautiful. Thank you, <laughs> for your presence. It's Thank really you. beautiful. So you wrote the book, Divine Mirror: A Painting's Hidden Gift of Conscious Healing, How did you become a writer, and what was the main inspiration and intention of writing your book?
2: So, in terms of becoming a writer, uh, I've always, like I said earlier, have had a fascination with communication. That um, I believe I've been blessed uh, through the the challenges of my life, been blessed with—we'll call them insights—but I think it's more reflections contemplations, um, navigation, if you will, through what I've called the abyss. All right. And so I've had a desire to communicate. For me, the written word is one of the most complicated ways to try to do that because of semantics of how we think about words and how, right. And so really trying to express authenticity in a way that would perhaps assist someone reading, not That they would be wanting to go through my journey, but assist them to understand their own journey in a way that gives them more personal freedom with it. That they have, that they can feel, I don't know, something about the beauty of themselves, the hero or heroine of themselves in my work because of what I've experienced.
0: That was the main inspiration to write it too. Or the intention to have it's, this. It's
2: always been about trying to connect with others. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like we have in many ways bought into the illusion of separation here right. in this in this experience called life. Yes. And of course with COVID it's become even more right challenging. But the reality for me is that there is no separation between me and thee. It, no matter who you are and no matter what you're going through and no matter, you know, I think that takes us into the next level of unconditional love when we move out of judgment. What, what if we were really here to actually just look into one another's eyes and experience the love and mm. grace mm. of the divine within ourselves?
1: Mm. Wow.
0: It's to lessen the suffering, isn't it? Unnecessary Absolutely. suffering, really.
2: Absolutely. There's a um, one of my one of my primary guides, if you will, someone's writing I've followed for a long time is White Eagle. I mention um, his words in my book. And in one of his passages, he talks about that one of the greatest gifts that we can give to anyone, is both alleviating and lifting our own Mm. shifting out of our own suffering and our own pain, but also lifting and elevating others out of their suffering so that they might too find joy, peace, happiness, love, compassion, Mm -hmm. gratitude.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. By doing that, for ourselves first, yeah, it it seems to me like it becomes easier to help others. So for a moment, without disclosing everything, of course, we don't want to talk too much about the story in the book, not everything, but (laughs) (laughs) talk to me for a moment about your journey, the healing and spiritual journey, Deborah, that you have been through.
2: Well, I think that if I go to the core, one of the core components in this particular story um, because it as you know it's like I was I'm weaving more than one story together in this but the through line if you will is the healing with my primarily with my father and also with my mother and I call it a healing because my perception and my experience of who they were when I started the journey and, be, and became aware of the starting of the journey to where I ended up was such a an arc of, of, you know what I mean? That was all, it was accessed through my own heart. They didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to change. They didn't have to be anything other than they were. And my experience of them transformed 180 degrees. Mm. And by the time they were leaving this planet and I was going through the death process with them, Uh, There was so much love present. I think that is, for me, that's the big, oh, why is this such an important story? (laughs) Because, because,
0: wow. So self-discovery and having the courage to do that. But not just the courage. What I think about a lot of time is um, it's choosing. Because some people say it's timing. We are not ready to go through these kinds of journey, um, deeper ones. So do you believe that that's a matter of a a timing, idea, concept, or a choosing?
2: Again, I'm going to have to say I feel like it's both. I think that if I were to look back on the walk, I was guided to the choices that I was then ready to, you know, there's that phrase that, God does not give you any more than you have the grace to handle. Well, there were moments where I questioned that a lot and, and, and questioned my, my sanity and questioned my, you know, who I was and what was wrong with me and, you know, all of the you know, trauma-based, right, conversations. But I would say that where it became a choice is that I, I'd, I made a fundamental choice very early on in my life that I was going to walk the path of unconditional love way before any of the challenges emerged as challenges. So I had made an early choice. Wow. I do think there was a a point in the book with my father where I could have kept, my perception of him as it was for the rest of my life and lived in traumatic separation from him. And I chose to stop that dialogue inside myself and choose in one moment to have compassion for someone outside of myself. And it changed and
0: transformed my life with my father. I think doubts, they will always be there.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and there can be temper tantrums because I've I threw a few in my lifetime as a small child and then as an adult where I was like no god I don't want to do this. I don't 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 no no I can't. I can't. I can't and yet I would be waking up going okay, here I go. You yeah, know, like yeah. all right, I'm going to choose it anyways. Um, But I think the profound one of the profound pieces for me that ties back to Divine Mirror and the story of this painting is that it was in that moment that I chose to chose to take a different path with this man who was so pivotal to my self-worth as my father and what I was needing to sort of come to balance and self-love within self. It all kind of came into that masculine container. And the next day after the event that I made that conscious choice was the day that he gave me this painting. Aye. And mm-hmm. I knew when he gave it to me that it was a profound spiritual gift based on what
0: I was looking at. Right, right.
2: So that's something he did not recognize. He did not
0: recognize it as that. This might be a good moment to talk about the uh, sacred marriage, the masculine and the feminine coming together, the harmony. Talk to me about that,
2: Deborah. So the way that it was originally sort of introduced to me was, again, through this presence uh, called White Eagle. And the idea was that within ourselves, we had, no matter what gender we identified with or, or you know, non-binary, it didn't really matter what our container was, but that, that in the universe of balance, the yin and the yang, if you will this sort of masculine and feminine, um, energy that could interact with each other, that for millennia, th- there has been imbalance in, in one direction. Okay. And yeah. it's been suggested to yeah. me that prior to what we would kind of think of as a patriarchal, uh, society that before this, if we go back 10,000 years, it was exactly the opposite. So that it was matriarchal and we had the same distorted right. imbalance. Right. Right. So for me, the sacred marriage is this idea that within ourselves, we can take um, the qualities of, of the masculine or masculine presence, the qualities of the feminine presence that that both which can dwell within us and do dwell within us, that we can bring them together in a united oneness that will bring our our own hearts mm. into a more elevated state of awareness and, again, back to this return to love, return to unconditional love.
1: Yeah.
0: That we do all the work within ourselves. A question came to mind about this um, balance, this harmony. Did we ever experience this kind of balance on Earth, feminine and masculine, coming together? So...
2: I would say that, you know there's no way for me to say with any kind of assurance, but this is what my my heart believes is yeah. that that we started there. And I think that that mm. that we, that when we began, okay, and and we have yeah. things like our various religious tomes, if you will, you know, the uh, the Quran, the Bible, the Torah. we have we have little, Inklings within these writings that suggest that there was at one time a, a balanced place, you know, an, an Eden, if you will, a moment where we were connected together in a way that was only love. And that there are some that believe we separated, Maybe if you go all the way to Lemuria, that we, we chose to separate in this sort of giant experiment to see what would happen, to experience ourselves as separate from God, even though that was a complete and total illusion. So yes, I do believe that, uh, that in the beginning, there was only one. Right. And I believe that now there really
0: is only one. Yes. No, yeah.
2: But we see, we sure do see a lot of
0: separation. <laughs> <laughs> so it goes back to the paradox, Right.
2: Right. But I feel like there's a journey. There's a really cool, what, you know, what has happened to me in my life. There's a really cool journey we can take if we're curious. Right. We don't even have to decide that we believe or don't believe or we agree or we don't agree. Wow. We just have to be curious about who we are here.
0: I'm wondering if you can give to the listeners some guidance. What's the first steps if someone wants to uncover more of who they are?
2: Well, you know, I would say that from my perspective of my journey, that the very, because again, it was a long, I, I would say my journey through what I ca- have called the abyss, the the dark night of the soul that for me lasted probably almost 30 years, um, that I, I can look back before going sort of through this journey of shadow and darkness and trying to emerge from my own uh, a- ancestral suffering if you will some would call it that um, that I in a moment stopped the noise stopped the, the, the anger at self stopped what we'll call the self loathing yeah. and I hugged myself and cried with myself and, and told myself that I loved myself even if I couldn't see it anywhere Around me, that I was, oh, it was going to be okay, like a small, like comforting Mm. a small child. That if we can just find one glimmer, one sliver of compassion for self in this amazingly challenging journey we call life, that it opens a tiny little doorway into the heart that I believe everything. Is through that keyhole.
0: I don't know how many times I can say yes. I will say yes the rest <laughs> of my life to that one. I keep saying it. Yes, yeah,
2: thank you. There's a there's a key that you know, I, uh, you know, and I, you know, I know some of my re- references would be construed as Christian, and I, you know, to the audience, please know that I I view myself as spiritual, and I I participate and. Appreciate and honor and revere all the spiritual traditions. But there is something that Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is within. And I think that if we were to actually just contemplate on that possibility, that we can transform the way we experience and look at the world and look at our lives just by the possibility that the love we are is already fully present within us there's nothing we have to do or earn or right there's nothing we have to become we just have to
0: accept it Uh, about the possibility yeah imagine imagine i love the way you say that because that's what it takes i do connect imagination to intuition they're very much connected to me. So I love the way you say that, see, possibilities, imagine. Yes.
2: And I, I might add yeah. one more thing to someone who's just, who might be struggling and might be really wanting to get to, to start and to feel like they they could maybe connect into love at a deeper level. There was given to me an understanding many years ago when I moved to Hawaii that I had guides, I had angelic presence with me. I had beings of light that I could have access to anytime I wanted. But there was just one caveat that in order for me to have access to this higher level wisdom that was already present with me, I had to ask. I had to ask for assistance. I had to, I had to just be willing to, in that moment, say, I need, I need help. And I don't know what to do, or I don't know how to think, or I don't know where to go, or I don't know how to solve this problem. I ask for assistance, and the assistance floods in Mm. like crazy. Mm. They're right. They're right next to you. It's the very strangest thing, right? Because there is just a veil. It's just a veil. Mm. Right.
0: Right. There's no separation. We're almost at the end, and I have so many notes here and questions for you. Way too many. (laughs) Way too many. You are a professional singer, too. So, how did you become a professional singer? And do you connect singing to spiritual healing? Absolutely.
2: Um, So, I came in very young, knowing that I was to be a singer. And because of some challenge with my mom and dad, very young, I was seven when they told me to shut up the first time that I remember. I, I basically, you know, got all my gumption up and said, well, I'll show you, I'm just going to become this great singer. And so I, you know, that's a seven-year-old mentality, right? Well, when I, I started singing in public at 11 and I was training at 15 and then I got my degree in voice and then had very challenging circumstances that indicated I wasn't going to have a career, but I really wanted it. So I fought to understand and be able to sing at a high level. And I was blessed and guided through that journey. Um, What's ironic to me is that my objective was to become a a professional singer. And then what happened is I became this wonderful professional singer on Maui. Very, I, I was loved and adored on Maui. I had this great experience, but as soon as I became the professional singer, I was asked to teach it. And not knowing if I could, And then discovered that I almost loved teaching more than I loved singing because I could watch a person's transformation in my voice studio happen in less than 30 minutes. So I understood my body mechanics internally to such a high degree that I was able to take someone into my body, help them feel it in their body and have them access what I understood that took me 20 years and $40,000, I could help them in less than an hour. And that was so profound to me. And then it was about the transformation that would occur when someone accessed their own voice, no matter Mm -hmm. what they wanted to do with it. When they knew they had a beautiful voice, whether they were singing or speaking, it didn't matter. They suddenly came alive because, oh my gosh, I can do I can do what I want. I can do what I want with this voice. Mm. So for me, it is very closely related to transformation. And I do feel it's part of my transformational work on the planet.
0: Yeah, it very much sounds like to express our inner wisdom, expression of the soul.
2: And, and the vibration. So I would right. take it back into spirituality, is the more that we understand how to tune our voice, how mm. to lift our frequency, how to to actually access uh, a more effortless, if you will, uh, production with the voice, then suddenly we're back into the spiritual realm because if you recall in the beginning, it was the sound, it was the word. And that sound vibration when we, like right now I work a lot in the um, competitive acapella world where we're singing together in, in four parts. And when these four parts sing in tune, you can hear sort of a fifth note sound, like an angelic voice that sounds itself above all of it. And for me, when we get that experience of harmony and we participate in that level of harmony, not only are we actively healing our voice, but we are actively healing our heart right, right. with each other.
0: Yes, yeah. Together. It, right, <laughs> collective healing, collective. Collective yeah. healing. Like, yeah. oh, isn't that cool? Yes. We can all sing together. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Just talk to somebody else about, yeah, she's a professional singer too, and that's the way she talks about the voice and, and singing, how divine it is.
2: Yes, I listened. I actually listened to that interview. I you loved did. What Nancy. She had to say yes, yes, yeah. I love what she had to say about the voice and her work and and yeah. what she's doing. And absolutely, you know, yeah. there's, I believe there's many, 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 many teachers of singing. And, and singers on the planet now, you know, all you have to do is look at American Idol, right? right. Uh, is that there's lots of interest in singing. There's lots of people that are out there willing to help just go to YouTube and type in singing. And I feel like this is the time. Claim your voice. This is it. Yeah. Right now.
0: We just talked about balance, having this feminine and masculine energies coming together in harmony. Yeah. Yes. We might return to it if it was, was already here at some point. Or it's will happen for the first time. That's what comes. But it might be that within kind of perception. It's not really out there. Right? I
2: think I think that, you know, if I go to just what I mean when I say divine mirror, this is what I mean. That when my pieces, if you will, those those parts of myself that I've exiled or that I have left behind or that I feel shame about or that I'm sad about, right? If when when I absorb all of that trauma and embrace that suffering within myself and forgive and have compassion for self right then we we come into that balance once that balance is in place and we shine that mirror no matter what is shining at us no matter what suffering we see no matter what distortion we see and we reflect back as balance and equal and and the masculine and feminine together in union within self externally we cannot help but see it externally. It will happen.
0: It will happen. Because it's not out there. It's here. It's always here, right?
2: We can help. We can help. We
0: can help this process along. Yes. Yeah, uh, of course. I love the title of your book, though. When I read it, I'm like, wow, this is a... It's very inspirational just to read it, the title.
2: Thank you. Well, I think when you, when, when you, look, at the, when you look at the research that I include about this little painting, you'll also see that there was a message and a message coming across 400 years that talks to this same idea of sacred marriage or the same idea of the divine within the context of our life and that the painting itself is revealing something that someone painted on a canvas 400 years ago and hid it underneath another painting to protect it.
0: Right. And so this is amazing history. For some of us, it's just a matter of having the opportunity to do it. I have had a lot of experience, like questioning myself, is this really real unconditional love or love? How can this be? And then looking around and seeing the chaotic reality and then questioning the truth. Well, I
2: think we can also feel very small and insignificant here. We can feel overwhelmed by what we're seeing. And I will tell you from personal practice, turning off the news, Mm -hmm. Turning off the noise, turning down the technology a bit in my life that you can, I think, come into a place like just like a rose, you know, literally this simple. You take one rose and you hold it in your hand and you look and contemplate that one rose and what you will see is nothing but beauty.
0: Um, so we're almost at the end. Um, I have these ending questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book?
2: Um, you know, I, I think hmm, just to add that one of the pieces of history that I talk about in my book is a phrase that was coined by uh, an organization called the Knights Templar in like, 1099, a really long time ago. And the phrase is love all, serve all. And I feel like those four words offer us a possibility and an opening into a pathway where we really could contribute to the healing of this place in a profound way. If we could get our hearts around the idea. That there is no one that's insignificant.
0: I love the song you have in a book. It's called The Heaven in Your Heart. Heaven in Your Heart. Yes, yes I wrote that. Yeah, I love Thank that. Uh, miracles Thank to you. grow by love to make us whole. Really beautiful. I also love passage that you have towards the end of the pandemic postlude. You mentioned about the phone call, and then, it, oh, I love when you say that. Uh, somehow I know I am on the phone with God. The man who called, and then do you want to talk <gasps> when about he that? Said, yeah, yeah. Could, <laughs> yeah you,
2: like... could you just read just read what he said? What, yeah, the quote. beautiful. I, say, I don't have it in front of me. What is it? What does it say? He said, I don't have
0: it in front of me. "Yeah, beautifully said. We are all multidimensional, intergalactic, metaphysical beings of light, stars finding our way home from heaven to earth." That's right. Yeah, and that's when you and say, I did. I, I feel like I'm on the yeah. phone with God. Right, right. Those that's right.
2: There have been many Beautiful. of those moments in my life, but that was a particularly <laughs> profound one.
0: Yes. A particularly profound one. So thank you again, Deborah, for being this light, for letting, being open to let this awareness of truth um, shine upon us, because we need those reminders all the time. That's interesting to say, but yeah, it's a reminder too, for those who already know.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you for reaching out to me and finding me to invite me to talk with you because I believe you are also this radiant being of light and offering
0: us a pathway. Thank you for the encouragement to the body, <laughs> the heart, and the mind. They understand, but the body yeah, needs some encouragement. That's um, right. So my final questions to you. Let me see. I will ask you this one, which I ask most of my guests. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leave in the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? No, I would not. Mm. I would not. I I think that
2: maybe. With the, with the caveat that if I could have understood sooner that those that I had um, challenging relationships with were actually my greatest spiritual teachers, I feel like I might have been able to move through some of the pain of my life much faster. Yeah. And so I would say that for the from a place of speed of getting uh, to, you know, yes. since there is really no place to get to other than where we are, right? right. It, right. it would be more just, a, I, I wish I hadn't lingered quite so long in thinking I was separate from these beings when the reality was they were there to show me and teach me. And I had painful divorces. So, yeah, they were there to teach me something very profound about who I was, and how I needed to shift something in myself if I wanted to actually yeah. mm-hmm. actualize a balanced, loving relationship with another another human being.
0: Do you regret anything? This is not a regret, is it? You couldn't do anything about it anyway? No,
2: I, I don't think so. I um, I feel like, I think if there were any regrets, it would be that I was afraid of looking at my shame that I really feel like I hid, you know, denial is pretty easy when you're dealing with things like codependency. And I feel like I really needed to take the veils off. So I kind of regret that, but I would say really and truly I, I did it in the timeframe I was capable of doing it in. And so I'm just grateful to be here
0: now. And two more questions. What is another word for healing? Transformation. And what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? (laughs) Uh,
2: I know that I love humanity. I know that I love myself. And I know that we are guided by a divine presence That is so omnipotent, infinite, expansive, and loving beyond our wildest imagination. Mm.
0: Thank you so much, Deborah. again, for your joyful, enlightened presence, your awareness of this deep wisdom and the work that you do in the world. It takes work and it, it is an effort. So thank you so much for being there. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects?
2: So uh, my website is my name, DebraLynn.org. And uh, my books are available on Amazon.com, Divine Mirror, and also my singing book, The Bel Canto Buzz. I'm on Facebook. I have a, mostly a personal page, and I also have an Instagram page. But you can find all of those access points. YouTube. There's a YouTube channel, I will say, that has, if anyone's interested in the voice piece, there's a lot of videos explaining how these inner mechanics work and how magical a person is inside and how you can access that. And so that's my Deborah Lynn Belcanto YouTube channel. So I'd say those are the best ways to find me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Bye for now, Debra. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Deborah Lynn and her work, please visit deborahlynn.org
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.